Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host alongside me, per usual, Elliot, the Ducktator himself. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I am doing great. Ready to be... I'm excited about this podcast. I Going back and, and talking about defining moments and goals that I'm, I'm excited about this topic you came up with, so I'm ready to roll. Awesome. Well, I am too as well. And so, <laughs> like you said, the podcast topic for tonight is going to be um, our defining moments, the highlights of the season, kind of hitting on, um, you know, all the way from the beginning. It seems like just yesterday. It really does that we just started um, kind of the um, beginning of the season all the way in September to the end. You know, talk about our defining moments. And now we're going into off season. Um, which, you know, for everybody's a little depressing. It's a little depressing going into off season. But, you know, for us, I think we both have a lot of plans, a lot of goals, and a lot of things to um, you know, accomplish going into next season. And the off season goes super fast too when you stay busy. So um I know for me, I I feel like the off season is not gonna be long enough to get everything done that I want to get done before season. So but when we're shooting ducks, I won't be complaining, I promise you that. Yeah, I, I don't know what I would do if the season went year round. I, I like having the forced break. I mean, we've talked about it before that waterfowl hunting is just such a part of us that if it was a whole season, we'd probably be doing it the whole year round. But it's actually kind of nice to have a forced break and get some other things done and let your mind rest and your body rest a little bit. Heaven forbid if I didn't have a full time job, I know that you know some guys <laughs> every day of the year. I can't imagine how how they adjust to um not having i do have one more hunt weekend how we're gonna go a snow goose weekend so i do have one more waterfowl event coming up because we don't we don't hit the snow geese hard but where you've got we do take our one waterfowl weekend so so awesome. one little bit one little trip left yeah 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 unfortunately i'm done so i'm done done i can't hunt again no no snow geese for me um but yeah so it should be a good one I'm super excited to get into it. Um, but before we jump into the main part of the podcast, let's go ahead and get a quick word from our partners and we'll jump right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to OnX. Guys, OnX is um, a great app for all waterfowl hunters. You jump on that app, you can use it for marking pins, you can use it to find out landowners, um, address to get permission, you can use it to check to see the boundaries of public land. Um, all the good stuff, they got it on web application, or you can use it online. They connect, they talk to each other. So the things you mark, the things you look up, um, work from both ends, save, save back and forth. Been a huge benefit to me um, this season, everything we got going on using it, um, and definitely got me some more access. So um, definitely check those guys out on X. Well, two days ago, I've been talking about how I was going to do this, but two days ago I got on Banda.com. Got out my spreadsheet and I officially started my wish list. And um, I didn't get done yet. We were watching, so I was watching some show with my wife and the girls. I'm just flipping through all the different stuff at Bandit and GHG and 
and Avery and Avery Sporting Dog. And it's just whether I end up getting that stuff or not, it's just so much fun. And um, I was told that very possibly they may have a dog stand coming out this year that actually has a blind on it, which I'm really excited about that. I'll, guys, go and check out Bandit.com. And from there, you can access Avery and GHG and Avery Sporting Dog and and start making that wish list. It's, I feel like I'm a six-year-old before Christmas getting ready with my list to send it off to Santa or something. But it's just their their gear is fantastic. It really, really is high quality. We've been using it for a couple of years now. And I just don't have anything negative to say about their equipment. It's it's really well-made stuff. Awesome. Also, like to give a big thanks out to Motion Ducks, Motion Duck Decoys, um, their motion systems. Just perfect for those days with no wind. They got two options, um, the ultimate spreader with seven ducks or the the normal spreader that just has four. Um, I prefer the ultimate going with seven, you know, get a little bit more out there. Um, you can go up even more than that. I've tried it, but I, I kind of just stick with the seven. Um, it's kind of the most simple approach that gives you the most ripples in the water. Um, but, you know, there's definitely some cool, fun things to, to try out, you know, if you want to go with the bigger spreader. It gives you that real lifelike motion. Check out the videos. Elliot has videos up on his channel. I do, too, um, of us using it in action. And, man, just the motion that you get, real lifelike and ripples through the whole set. In those no-win days... You don't want to, you know, you've, you've gone all the way out there, got everything set up. You don't want to leave something to chance. Um, and any time I've ever hunted it with it without wind, that's the first thing that I'm kicking myself for not bringing if I forgot it. So um, check out the Motion Ducks. Use code DECKGUN2020 for 10% off and free shipping. Um, the last part I want to talk about is Finisher. And the website is A-D-R-E-N-A-L dash line.com and this is the first year you know that i've really used it a lot goose hunting and i can tell you when you take the little tool and you and you have a crippled bird in your hands just using that finisher tool is by far the most humane way to take care of that if you don't have one guys they're not that expensive you really should have one on your land you just put it on there you got that bird in your hand you take care of it no more of that ringing neck and i i heard a horror story um about a bird, you know, being found in the marsh with a rung neck and, and, you know, you, you just try to ring it and snack, throw it in the pile. It's not dead yet. People just don't know how to properly do it. Get that finisher. We want to dispatch the animals as humanely as possible. Guys, this is really important. Go pick up a finisher. Uh, discount code for that one is duck gun 15 for 15% off. Alrighty. Let's go ahead and jump into the main meat of the podcast. As we've been saying, guys, it's going to be our uh, defining moments. We're going to go back and forth, um, kind of share one, um, and then jump to the next one. So um, I'll kick it off. And, man, um, one defining moment, when I kind of look back at the whole of the season, you know, we, we talk about this um, in the past, but dove hunting really is kind of the inaugural hunt to start the hunting season i know it's not duck hunting it's not waterfowl hunting but it's wing shooting and it's a lot of fun and this year really i kind of upped my dove hunting game like never never before um and we had some really 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 fun dove hunts out there in silage um you know the first day I went out and opened her me swampman and my dad and we shot 37 doves dad probably could have got closer to his limit but he had to be on some phone meetings um, which honestly was hilarious because he actually forgot to uh, <laughs> he forgot to um, mute his phone while he was on a work conference call, and we had birds fly in. He shot at them, 
he was yelling at the dog and <laughs> he had people on work uh, online with them or on the phone with them. So honestly, honestly, pretty hilarious. But we had a, we had a ton of fun out there hunting really the same field over and over um, in silage. And really, it was just uh, we just had some really, really good hunts. So dove, dove season definitely sticks out to me. Um, just because it's something that I'm more and more getting into. And I think, you know, from years to come, I'm going to hit that dove season harder at the beginning of September. Um, not only that, but man, doves taste awesome. But remember this, oh, folks. They're delicious for sure. Remember this, yeah. folks. Do not call them rats with wings. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. If uh, I, I, and I do joke when I call them rats with wings, but I, com, compared to a, we've gone through that conversation before, how I feel about them. <laughs> compared to like if i have a dove in one hand and a teal in the other the the difference in how i feel is is immense but i will say those those dove hunts that you went on those might those were as close to waterfowl style of hunts non-water stop file as you can get because i mean they were like just cupping right down into your spinner i mean that was decoy shooting and that those hunts looked really really fun and and i do love i I'm, let me take that back. I do, I have really enjoyed the dove hunts during my life that I've gone on, but yours just went to the next level with what you guys were doing. It was those were awesome. If you guys haven't seen Jordan's dove hunting videos, you need to go back onto his channel and and check them out for sure. Awesome. And and just to kind of preference the joke, I was calling rats with wing wings. We talked about it on the podcast last year, it's a long time ago. I'm actually proud of myself that I remembered. But uh, you called them rats with wings, and you got some hate. You got a lot of hate mail. Um, off that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. You guys got to realize when I say stuff like that, I'm only partially telling. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, sure. You know, they, sure they you are, are a little bit scummy, but they they are a little. <laughs> let, let's be real. They are a little touch. Scummy, and a dove but. dove hunting is like a southern holiday, so you're just you're just uh giving it to our southern the southern boys on the podcast. <laughs> well, when I started hunting, the first real hunting I did was dove hunting. And I mean, we did a bunch of it and I loved it. I had those memories I have. We've got um, actually old videos of hunts from like the mid, let's see. Pro- yeah. Probably mid to late eighties of us out dove hunting. So I've got lots of tradition in my family around dove hunting. So, you know, when I say that I'm, I'm playing a little bit, a little bit. Awesome. So what you got, Elliot? Well, I would say that the first thing was, meeting Ben and going on the Nebraska trip. So, um, and this is all thanks to the podcast. Um, I wanted to go hunt the Nebraska early teal opener, which is a week before our state. And um, I put it out on the podcast. I'll say, Hey, if there's anyone of you out there that want to take me and fumbles on a teal hunt, get in touch with me. And I was contacted by Ben and uh, my dad and I went up there for that teal opener. And then we went back for their big duck opener stayed at their home both times, got to meet his wife and their kids. And, and those two trips, especially the teal hunting trip. And cause I mean, if you guys seen those videos, it was just such a unique and cool environment. And then you've got Ben there, which is just a salty earth, nice guy and his wife and kids. And he actually came in down and under with us one time. So just, you know, it's, it's a lifelong friendship. I'm sure we're going to hunt with him every year. Um, he's only an hour and a half or so from some of our main hunting spots, um, out West. So, um, you know, that relationship of meeting him and those teal hunts, those, those two teal hunts, if I were to rank in my life, just by memory, favorite teal hunts, 
those might be number one and number two. I mean, we were in this cornfield, and this was Ben is not does not own a guide service. He, he's just a regular guy who stumbled into some private property, and only him and one other guy have permission to hunt this stuff. And in the area of Nebraska, there's this crop field, and it, it gets irrigated, irrigated, and because of the irrigation, there's this that gets full of water in between the corn, and it's full of all just this. I'm not even sure what kind of vegetation it was, but this green stuff. And, and so it formed, if you've hunted teal a lot, you know, they love to fly channels. And so these teal, they would come from all around and they would drop down almost like if you've seen, um, like if you've seen star Wars, you've seen the first star Wars, right? Jordan. Yeah. Surely. And at the end where like Luke Skywalker is, is trying to blow up the death star <laughs> and he like drops down into that little trough. Right. And all those X-wings were dropping into those little troughs and they were trying to come along that section. That's kind of like how it was. I mean, you would see them like a quarter mile away, like a flock of 10 and they'd be high and they would just swoop right down into this little ditch and then come straight line right towards us. And we were on this dog laid corner. So they would either drop right into the hole and sit there or they would just cut the corner right through us. So, I mean, like the the audio of the wings and the visuals, just the coolest teal hunts that, I mean, world-class teal hunting. Yeah. So you couple oh, that yeah. with Ben and the whole thing, just what a way. And it was Georgie's first two hunts of her life. So, I mean, that weekend, man, was just, I'll be talking about that weekend probably 20 years from now. Yeah. No, it was definitely cool. Cool way to start the season. Um like you said, and the, and they're getting so close, man. You could have whacked them down with a lightsaber. So, yeah, definitely pretty cool. Those are the hunts you give me a hard time on for how many we were passing on. Well, you're just making all the people who don't live in prime country a little, uh, you know, a little jealous because we don't get those opportunities to pass yeah. on birds. We got to take what we can get, whether it's a merganser mm-hmm. or a mallard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you get the Central Flyway is is certainly a great place for teal. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah, some would say Nebraska is just the best state ever. So that's I think, I think that's what, what Matt would say from High Prairie Sportsman. So. I think that, you know, from, from North Dakota to northern Texas, I have no knowledge of the coastal region, so I'm going to leave that out. Um, that whole zone, you can't go wrong. I mean – you just I don't think one's better than the other all up and down there. I don't think there's a better than you, the other. Do you think that the Central Flyway is better than the Pacific Flyway? I don't know. I mean, they can shoot, you know, looking at um um Pacific together yeah, Titus is on the Pacific. I mean, look at how easy it seems for Titus just to shoot limits. I know. It, I, I mean, he's just like, "Oh yeah, I know that I'm going to shoot a limit." He's, "Oh, I shot 5 mile drags. I shouldn't shot two more." The ease in which he shoots limits at least this year <laughs> is isn't is unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, there's some stellar hunting out there, Pacific flyway. I think we can say without a doubt though, that the Mississippi and Atlantic flyway aren't, if, aren't in the race, unfortunately. So, um, yeah. you know, I love my home, home state, but you know, we got some left, left to desire for waterfowl, but we, we still get after as hard as we can. I know a lot of guys who are diehard in the state who get after it and do a phenomenal job. So, um, nothing to, yeah. well, nothing negative the to say. Flyway. Go ahead. I think about the Central Flyway too, especially in my state. It's like all, mo, a lot, tons of videos that people see. It's like guide services on private land. There's not that much public land in a lot of the um, Central Flyway, 
And I don't know if that's true. Like about, I, I suspect after, after just learning a little bit more about it and talking to Titus, I suspect that Washington is by far superior day in and day out to Mallard shooting than Kansas or Nebraska or, or Oklahoma. Yeah. That that's my guess. It just seems from everything Titus has said and everything, it just seems easier. And he's been to both places. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's probably well, I Mallard think, Mecca. I think like you're Washington, Oregon. I think you run into like population issues too that you have to consider um, with California. And, and it's probably the same throughout the central flyway or any other um, flyway as that goes. So, I mean, the less people you have, the less pressure and the more opportunity you have to get to the honey holes. Um, but yeah, that's probably another, we got, we could go on so many rabbit trails for that. Let's, let's just keep going on with this podcast though. So, <laughs> um, okay. n- next thing I got on, um, on defining moments from the season is the chasing the opener series. And I, I couldn't just pick like one kind of part of that. Just, I just had to add all of it. And really that's those, you know, those first two weekends going into it, um, the chasing the opener, you know, we're getting on the first big ducks of the season. This year I traveled all the way to the tippy top of Michigan, the upper peninsula, almost as far north as you can go. I was as far north as Maine. And man, the sites were just beautiful. Um, you know, some really cool places to hunt ducks, just getting in there. Um, that's the farthest north north I've ever been. So um definitely, definitely uh really cool experience doing that. Um, you know, obviously we didn't shoot like limits, but we had solid hunts, you know, for, for both days, shot my first mallard of the year. Um, but yeah, it was was just really cool to kind of get up there. And then the center opener, um, kind of as a staple of my season, it's one of my favorite hunts. That opener is one of my favorite hunts. Um, if not my favorite hunt from the last two seasons. So we're, we're batting two for two, I think on that, um, definitely going to be hitting that up again next year. Um, but the chase in the opener series is just, you know, a real good way to kick off the season. And I, I'm going to definitely be doing that for years to come. I actually got some really cool ideas uh, for how I'm going to change it this year. And, and it's going to, it's just going to be, it's going to be awesome. So, um, you know, hint, hint, we got the duck bus. So <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be a good chase in the opener series going into next year. I'm excited for the duck bus to come to my state at some point. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna. It'll make the rounds for sure. You know those really good hunts that I got into in December um, last year. I think if we took the duck bus there sometime during that time frame, that would be really sweet. Nice. Yeah, we'll have to get a nice little podcast right, um, podcast set up in there, and we'll be able to record our podcast <laughs> on site. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So my second one is is Georgie's um, first year, the whole thing from the start to the end. You know, I got Georgie, <clears throat> excuse me, from Flatlander Kennels in Bainard, Nebraska, and I got her on on. She was born on Mother's Day. I didn't get her till July. So if I was going to hunt her the first year, it was going to be pushing it. And I know a lot of people say, "Well, I've hunted my dog at eight months, and I've hunted my dog at nine months." And but you know, I wanted to. I'd never had a dog that has this kind of pedigree and this kind of ability before. And I wanted to make sure that I had her where I wanted her um, before she went on her first hunt. And for me, this first season was about be steady, bring the duck, bring the duck all the way back. And I wanted to get in some hand signal stuff too, but unfortunately I screwed up in my training, which I've got to start over for, for that. And that's my main goal this off season, but she had an incredible year. I mean, 
I just, for her first year, I couldn't be um, any more happy that than how, how she did. I mean, there was a section about Hunt 7 and 8 and 9 where she struggled with some steady issues, and I had to really crack down on her and go through some some drills and and while we we're in the field and actually walk out and get a couple birds but i mean for the whole season she was almost completely steady uh, and you know she she just did everything i wanted her to do she's fast she's athletic she is i mean just incredible and so that whole that whole aspect of her and her first season was certainly one of the major highlights awesome yeah i definitely agree I think we talked about this going into this season. It was going to be super cool to see, um, to see uh, her come into the season and and your new dog and all that, um, and all the new experiences that come with it. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely exciting to to see your dog come into the season and and all that she's accomplished. And it's been a lot. She's done phenomenal. Um, yeah, I really couldn't be much happier than than what I am for this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it's crazy. This first season how good good she's done. So um yeah, def- definitely cool to see all that. Gotta get back into the hand signals and Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna take a quick second and say thanks to Beth Snyder for the super chat. <laughs> I don't know if you know who that is, Elliot, or not. Yeah, I'm not too happy about that. She's giving you my money. <laughs> I'll use it for gas money to get to you in Kansas. <laughs> That's hilarious. My wife it's, is super chatting on YouTube live stream. Jordan, my cash. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I will mention while, while we're taking this brief second to mention that we're actually on a live stream, um, that we're in off season now and we're going to be live streaming the podcast Again, over on my YouTube channel, Duck and Chronicles. Uh, maybe we'll get even a few in over on on freelance duck hunting here and there. Um, could be fun. So, uh, if you guys from the podcast want to join us for a live podcast here or there, you can jump over uh, onto the YouTube channels, Duck and Chronicles, and Freelance Duck Hunting. You don't want to miss them. But let's continue on with the topic for tonight. Um, so, next one I got is um, a new property I picked up this year was the Snake Swamp and. Um, you know, tons, honestly, some stuff that didn't even make the cut for videos. It was a major part of my early season this year in Indiana. Um, and the reason for that is just honestly, we we didn't have, we did not have great bird numbers for the early season of Indiana. We didn't have great numbers, but we made the best of it. And this new property was awesome. Um, it's really one of the first ones that I really could call like my own that I didn't have to worry about anybody else that just was super cool to get out there and hunt. Even the days that weren't super productive, it was just fun trying to figure it out, different locations, trying to figure out different places that hopefully I can put a blind in for next season, um, and just even where the birds would use from time to time. But it's this little snaky swamp, and I believe it used to be part of the main creek, and then they dredged the creek to help for irrigate or to help for farmland, pretty much dredge out um, the river and the wetlands, which kind of stinks for conservation and, and waterfowl, but. Definitely helps the farmers. So um, I don't know exactly what to think about that. It kind of stinks. 
But anyways, I think this is like a, a remnant of that. That's my theory on it. I don't know if it's right or not, but that's what I believe. So this snake swamp is out there, and we got on some really cool hunts with a lot of green wing teal, some wood ducks, even some mallards in there. And I can't wait to do that again last season. But that was just a really defining moment for the season, just the hunts we got on and, and learning that and, you know, all the work and all the thoughts that I can think about for next season um, using that spot. So uh, definitely, definitely hope that I can get permission again. I'll be talking to the landowner soon. Cool. Um, my next one is three defining segments of the season were trips that, that I took with my dad and golden boy where, and Ben was actually in on one of them, but, um, we traveled, we stayed the weekend and we just had crazy success in those three different sections where we're shooting tons of mallards and, and there is something about getting away and having a whole weekend, you know, with my dad who's 77 and with Aiden, who I don't get to hunt with as much I <clears throat> as much as I did in the past where it's just those weekends are make the whole, make the whole year. Because when you're, when you get there on a Friday and you you hunt Saturday and you wrap it up and you got the rest of the day to go out and eat and relax and look through footage because we're filming and, and then get up the next day and do it on Sunday. It's just when you're when all of your weekend revolves around just fellowship with your bet with your dad and your best buddy and the trip and you're having all the success. It's just it's what it's all about. It's it's what it's all about. And I'll say for my dad to still be able to get out there and do those things. And Aiden and I have to, you know, step up a little bit and and help him carry things when he needs to and and whatnot. But being having my dad present so much throughout the year at seventy seven, and to be able to go on, <clears throat> excuse me, most I went on thirty six hunts. I think he went on twenty five of them. So I mean, at his age, to be able to get that done and to be on those hunt weekends with us, I I know that you know I've got the videos to to watch on those and the memories of them. It was just defining moments for the whole season. And we were stacking the birds, which, you know, you don't have to have that for those weekends to be really enjoyable, but certainly just puts a stamp on that weekend of what a great, what a great time it was. So I I just, I'll probably remember those three individual trip weekends um, down the road uh, more than anything else from this whole season. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely can, you know, agree with you on that. And that's, you know, definitely cool to see how you're making those memories with your, with your dad and, and your good buddies. And, and it's like you said, that's what it's really all about. Um, it kind of reminds me too of, you know, kind of back to this, the snake swamp. I had a hunt out there this year where actually my brother-in-law kind of got back into duck hunting this year, which was really cool. Um, because me and him, you know, it was just more of a connection that we kind of got, getting out there and, and hunting together and, you know, um, building up a friendship with him. And then uh, my dad as well, he came on a lot of the, the snake swamp hunts, but we had one where it was just me, my dad, and my brother-in-law. And it's kind of like you said, the family family aspect of hunting is really cool. And I hope to see that for myself in the future, even with like nephews coming to age and, and things like that um, and continue on with, you know, my dad or brother-in-law or, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So definitely can agree with you 100% on that. Um, that, that aspect of duck hunting is, is huge. Absolutely. All right. Next, next defining moment <laughs> I got is, um, you know, talking about actually going up to, to Michigan and, and, um, I got to go on a lot of Michigan hunts this year and, and some of my, 
um, buddies, you know, I've, uh, that I've got connected with, kind of like you were talking about with Ben through the podcast, is the Michigan boys, uh, the Kevins. <laughs> and, you know, they invited me on a ton of hunts this year and super, super blessed to, uh, to be able to go and, and do that with them and, and, you know, not too far away up there in Michigan. But we had a stretch there where uh, on one hunt, uh, Kevin shot his duck man, and and I've always felt bad since last year. I shot a duck man; he doesn't have one yet, and uh, I, you know, I, I pulled it on the draw, and I and I won the duck man. So I was always kind of pulling for him to get one, and sure enough, he first duck that flew in that day. Um, he pulled up, and I was right behind him. I pulled up, and I was aiming at the duck, and bam, he popped it, and he dropped it on his first shot, and the duck landed literally like five feet in front of him, and his dog ran out, Kobe, which is his first year hunting as well with Kobe and sure enough, he, he brings it back and that's Kobe's first band It's Kevin's birth first band and they're super jacked. Everybody's excited. High fiving, um, you know, taking pictures and the whole, whole, whole thing. So that was really cool. I got to catch, catch it all on, on camera as well. So I'm sure, um, he can go back and watch that at any time and see his dog getting the first band and him getting his first duck band. But it was less than a week later. I went on a hunt with them and first bird of the day again. And, Lucky me, I shot it. It was a banded hen mallard. So we had a stretch of two hunts in a row where the first duck was banded. Um, and, you know, it's just it's just another cool, cool story, cool event um, having that happen. It was right around uh, Thanksgiving time this year in late November. So uh, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely, I would say, defining moment of the season. You and your bands. <laughs> what is it? The the Lord of the Bands as I've been. <laughs> the Lord of the Bands. Six bands in, in two seasons. I'll take it. That's crazy. That's just crazy. We're, look at my dad. He's got like one or two bands in 30 plus. <laughs> it's awesome, man. Congratulations on that. Thanks. For sure. Um, the next one I put down was just the Flyaways Collective. This is the second year that we have gotten together as a group. Um, if you don't know what the Flyways Collective is, it's a group of YouTube content creators, waterfowl content creators that have joined a group. And man, we have become very, very close friends this year. One big part of that has been the Marco Polo app where people don't know how often we all communicate. And and every time one of us is hunting, it's it's you're getting Marco Polos, which is just a little video of, you know, it might be, you know, um, Thomas somewhere going, Hey guys, today I'm down here. We're hunting this and that, and just showing us around. It's just, we have really formed this bond that is really, really cool. And the, the collective trip, you know, we didn't slaughter them during that trip. We had one really, really good goose hunt, but we, it, it's just that trip where we're together, you know, back to this trip thing. And we're spending all these days just getting, and one, one cool thing about this one is we went up in pairs. So the first day I was with Titus, the second day I was with Josh, the third day I was with Matt. And so, and then we all came together as a group. And so that, that weekend was just a blast. And we made some upgrades to where we got an Airbnb, which was a huge improvement. And so, and I love the um, vlog videos from that whole trip, which are on the Flyways Collective YouTube channel. And that's my favorite part about it is those vlog videos where we're just hanging out. What a, what a great weekend that was. Yeah, I definitely agree on that too. And I, and I will mention um, for myself as well that I had the hunt with um, with Josh where we went and layout hunt layout hunted in the marsh. And that's something that I've honest I've been a little nervous to do because you've mentioned it in the past as well to go on hunts with you like that. And and uh, you know finally I got on one that was successful a layout hunt. I was nervous going into it. 
um, just with shooting accuracy and being able to sit up fast enough to shoot the ducks and all kinds of stuff. If you're not if you're not used to layout hunting like mm-hmm. like you guys doing in in the Kansas marshes, then um, you know f- for me it was just something new. But it turned out to be an awesome hunt. I shot my limit, um, you know, and, and Josh was just shy of his. So it was yeah. There was there was a lot of a lot of good times. Um, on the collective as well. And those vlogs, like I said, uh, especially just a lot of silly and shenanigans and, you know, highlight for me is Matt getting his nose hairs ripped out of his face. So (laughs) a lot of fun. Hey, what, what was your shooting percentage that day? I'm out of a layout and pretty well, didn't you? Um, I, I don't think I missed, I might've missed one shot is what it came down to. I can't remember. It was either one or zero misses. Did you have any issues with the timing at all, or we never really, we never really broke that hunt down from that perspective? <laughs> no, um, I didn't. I it was now it's not the time to do it, but it was, I mean, there were cupcake shots too. So I mean, there, yeah, it was, but it was kind of. I was going off of a cold streak, but switching back to that old old twenty gauge, it just always does a trick for me, which is weird. It's not, it's a mental thing, one hundred percent, because I'm here at the end of season and I'm shooting really well with the new twenty gauge or the new twelve gauge, the the Wicked Wings A five. So. I don't know. I don't know, man. I can't explain it. When nope. did you get a brand new 12 gauge? Oh, I've had it for three years, but I'm just saying the new gun oh, okay. compared okay. to like okay. the old gun. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So next thing I got on here, um, defining moment of the season. And it's hopefully it's defining moment for just my waterfowl hunting and content creation in general um is buying the duck bus the goose caboose i need to put up a pool we're gonna have a real name i don't know what it is yet but i like playing around and throwing out all the <laughs> the different names the, the duck bus the goose caboose the quacking wagon i don't know what it's gonna be yet but um buying that bus and the plans for the future with all that um you know and the first hunt we actually took it on we, we knocked the chairs out of there um most of them we had enough to ride in there and then throw all our gear in there in canoes and take it up there. Um, and we had an awesome hunt where we shot limits of geese. So um, the bus is already off to a hot start. But I really think it's going to be a defining defining moment of the channel in general, the, the duck hunting content creation. Um, so, yeah, not, not a ton to say yet, but stay tuned because there's going to be so much stuff coming out with the duck bus. You know, for me, I love data and I love statistics. And over at Freelance Hunt Stats, pretty much almost all the flyways guys keep their information over there. And so this, I had a lot of personal best this year. I have been um, really trying to reach um, a goal specifically of shooting 60% for an entire season. And I will say that keeping your shooting percentage is not for a lot of different people because it takes a lot of discipline to keep track of the number of shells and and i know it's not for everyone but i have found and a lot of other people too that keeping track of your shooting percentage number one it's really really fun if you're into that and number two it really helps you be disciplined with your shot selection so i shot 60 percent for the first time this year and i I do think that boss shot shells had a little bit to do with that but i shot 60.4 in fact it came down to the last hunt and that last hunt was on i started out 0 for 3 and uh, I was getting a little bit nervous because I just, that's always been a goal of mine was to end up at 60%. So I got that done. I also shot 42 Mallard Drakes, which that's a high point for me. 
Um, I think my previous high was 37. And I shot my all-time record number of ducks was 107. So I've only gone over 102 different times. So just statistically, um, it was a fantastic season for me, even though we hit some really, really cold stretches where we didn't have any ducks around. And, um, there, you know, on public land, a lot of people really, really struggled. And so it certainly makes me feel um, some satisfaction to know even around the kind of weather situations that we had, we just really, really got it done this year. And so um, those definitely um, are defining moments for me for some goals that I've, I've been trying to obtain. Now, 50 drakes in a year is – I mean, that's like the ultimate. That, that would beat old Fumblemitz. I think Fumblemitz shot 49 drakes one time. So, um, so I'm chasing down a record from him from the past as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I definitely can say I can def- definitely see that as being defining. I mean, you just had such a stellar year. Um, it's going to be hard for you to ever surpass that. But who knows? I mean, the way you're getting after it, maybe you will. Um, only time will tell. Well, and I, I think with the with the number of data that I'm tracking, um, one fun thing I'm going to do is focus on different things. So I'm not really going to be as focused on my shooting percentage next year um i'm going to be more focused on some things like i would like to shoot more doubles um and if i'm going to attempt to shoot more doubles my shooting percentage will probably go down a little bit so i i want to focus on some different aspects from year to year and so definitely going in next year i'm um, shooting more doubles is kind of top on my list well i should i, I should have left that for the goals section huh but um <laughs> yeah so it's, it's going to be different focuses every year i, I do want, i want to have one year where i try to shoot zero zero hen mallards i know there's nothing technically wrong with shooting them i just think it'd be really cool to have like you know 40 drakes zero hens you know something like that would be really neat Mm -hmm. oh yeah well next next defining moment of the season is my late season goose split and um you know this year and and late season for me i would consider anything like after waterfowl season ends is like the late season goose so, um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I think I keep saying this every year, man. I'm, I just really, really enjoy the late season goose, goose hunting. Um, and we get some really, really cool experiences, really cool places to hunt. And I'm really expanding my, um, places I hunt. And this year in late season goose, um, I, I did that again where I, I came up with more and more opportunities, more and more places to hunt. Um, I think it's going to be a trend, you know, for that. The, the only thing I'm really missing from my tool bag on the late season goose is I don't have a lot of fields to hunt. Um, I definitely could increase that, but I, I have a love for hunting water, hunting these rivers, and I'm just having a lot of fun with it. So, um, but I do know the guys in the field, they seem to shoot more numbers. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, the numbers not super important to me. It's about there having fun experiences, finding cool places to hunt. Um, and some of these really tight river places, um, are just a lot of fun. So I'll probably keep at that and try to, try to get in some, some fields in the future, but it's definitely been a defining, defining part of my season. Um, just dealing with the cold kayaking through rough conditions, um, and then getting the job done on geese. So I had a lot of, had a lot of fun on late season goose. It really, at the end of season, um, there's parts where you kind of, uh, dwindle maybe with your um, with your drive just because you're crushing it so hard and and going for it. But then um, when I'm finding these 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 goose hunts on the river, it just gets me all excited again. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely loving that. 
Yeah. Uh, speaking speaking of the weather, weather hunts certainly are memorable from this past year. There was a couple in particular where we had gusts of winds in the 50s and the wind chill was just brutally cold. And there was another one where my dad and I had to break open an ice hole. And my leap, my I had a actually a hole in one of my waders that had been patched that came open a, right above the waistline and didn't realize that those pair of waders had been put away in the garage. And my, I didn't tell my dad that I'd put them away and he pulled them back out. And those are the waders I ended up having on. And so I was breaking this ice hole open. I just filled. It wasn't like a leak. It was like poor water, <laughs> that cold water pouring in. And I had to go back to the truck and, and try to find some different clothes to put on and deal with that cold through the whole hunt. And there's something about waterfowl hunting and adverse weather conditions. Like there's just nothing more fun than dealing with those elements. You know, if I see a, a waterfowl video where it's snowing with wind blowing, I'm going to watch it. It's just something about it. And I were several hunts this year that were just defining in that way that you just, you get done and you're like, I feel a little bit more like a man today being out in those kind of conditions, you know? Oh yeah. So definitely. Sure. Um, yeah, so I guess let's wrap up kind of the the defining moments of the season with um, talking about, you know, hit, hitting some numbers real quick. And, um, you know, I just want to, you know, bird total for me, uh, I ended up with 47 or 47, 67 harvested and 31 of those were geese and the rest were ducks. So um, I can do the math real quick. 45 ducks. <laughs> and 31 geese so that was my season honestly a little on the low side for how much i hunted but you're gonna have seasons where it's tougher and you just have to work a little harder and and try to get the job done so i was down quite a bit from from last season um with probably similar amount of hunts so um you know that's kind of where i was on that and you had worse shooting i had a bad slump at the beginning of the season uh ended the season with 40.1 percent shooting percentage elliot don't hate on me for that because I know yours was way higher than that. <laughs> I've shot mid thirties before in my life, so I'm not. I mean, you just have some seasons where, in fact, season one and two of my filming, I shot mid thirties both those seasons. So sometimes you just get into a funk, and it gets in your head, and things just become really, really hard. It's just how it how it goes. I, anything above forty, I think, you know. Now, if, if you're being if you're being even mildly careful with your shot selection, anything in the forties is and above is perfectly acceptable. Yep. So, oh yeah. And also guys, these are all on freelance hunt stats. Um, Elliot's website where we track all of our data over there and he's got awesome leaderboards now. So we got, we got the leaderboards this year showing kind of, um, where everybody matches up on that, um, which is really cool. I think I ended 15th. So, um, definitely some people who crushed me. (laughs) So go ahead and give us your 27 points. Go ahead and give us your, your numbers, Elliot. Okay, I was at 36 hunts, 117 harvest. I lost five, which not make me happy. Um, that's a way too high of a number. Um, I, I typically am at two or three, so I did not. I was not happy about that. I only shot five doubles, one triple. Um, 107 ducks, 42 of which were mallard drakes. Ten geese, nine of which were Canada. One was a snow goose. Ended at 60.6 shooting percentage, 3.25 a hunt. Um, yeah, I think that's about it on the leaderboards. I ended up at point total number seven. Um, 
at 459 and Titus ran away from me at the end. A lot of the theme of my videos in the last few were, were, um, you know, can I catch Titus? And I went, I went cold the last couple of weekends and he just hammered him. So actually Matt, a uh, high price sportsman is number five. And I know the number one and two place are actually group reporting and number three place, maybe group reporting as well. Um, which we're going to, we're going to, we've got a fix for that to where you're going to be able to report it. Cause you know, Jordan and myself, and we shouldn't be competing against guys that are recording numbers that are a group. But anyway, Aiden's actually fourth. Matt from Higher Prairie Sportsman's fifth. Titus six. I'm seventh, and so on. <laughs> so um, it was a great season. We got Jordan and I. I brought, I'll tell you what, guys. I brought Jordan on board with this as the idea man because, and he's got some aggressive plans for freelance sunsets. I'll tell you. Oh it's yeah, gonna be fun. Gonna Def- be fun. Definitely. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's jump to the next part. We're going to be talking about our season goals going into next year. Um, Ellie, I'll let you, I'll let you jump into this one first. On which one again? Uh, goals, goals going into the um, off season goals. for next season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of them I already mentioned is just to be a little more aggressive with my shooting and try to shoot a few more doubles. Um, I would really like to in, improve on that. I think with Georgie this year, I was so conservative. I'm with my shot selection because my focus was her. And so I'd like to shoot a few more, a few more doubles. Um, I want to take, take Georgie to the next step with this off season, really, really working with her on hand signals. And she had some success with that um, last year, but that is going to be my absolute focus with her. In fact, I am planning at this point to hunt test her sometime in June. So, um, I'm really, I'm really excited about that. I'm going to vlog that, and so uh, I, I think, I think she can have success in that awesome. range. So, yeah. All right. So goals for the off season should be no surprise if you're following the content, following the podcast here lately. Is get that bus build going, get it duck hunt worthy and ready to go. So I'll be, I mean, I'll be grinding on that, getting that going, working on that, doing the build. Um, you know. One of the, <laughs> one of the, um, what's the right way to say this? One thing that's going to stop me with the bus build is getting the funds required. So I'll be saving up and, you know, putting, putting as much money as I can into getting that bus build going, um, and ready for season. Cause it's just, it's just going to make duck hunting and duck hunting trips so much more exciting, so much more fun to create content and so much more successful in my opinion. So, um, duck bus or whatever the new name is going to be. <laughs> That's a big part of uh, of next season. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, my next one is in my video content. I want to really push out more ideas like picking up trash after yourself, being Curtis in the field. Kind of want to hit on more of the, which I have in the past, but just the ethical aspects of waterfowl hunting and make sure that I'm using my voice to promote um, attitudes and ethical behavior a little bit more than I did this last year. Um, I just want to make that a little more focal point and also try to clean up some of my attitudes, maybe a little bit as well and, and work on myself in, um, in, in that department as well. Not that I leave trash all around, but you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Oh yeah. We're all working progresses and you know, got a lot, a lot to go on for that. So, uh, Definitely, definitely some good points to hit on for sure. Um, next goal I have is the building the duck boat 
and motor issues. So if you guys remember, this was a big thing going into this season was the duck boat and um, and the new mud motor. So honestly, the mud motor was a complete disaster. The first one I got, just a complete disaster. I mean, honestly, it just, oh man, it was more, man, it was just rough on some of these hunts, breaking props left and right, you know, motor issues. Um, and so going in, goal for this season is having everything stored up. I did at the end of the season. So the mud motor actually did play a big part into the season, um, up to the point where I started having a fuel issue with it. So, um, I got to fix that in the off season. And then from there, upgrading some stuff. Like I, I want to insulate like the floor. Cause man, when you're hunting in like zero degree temperature on the river and that r- water's rushing under the bottom of the boat, it just gets super cold. Even your feet, feet just sitting on there. It's about as cold as just standing in the water. So, um, you know, on just beefing up the duck boat would be my goal. Um, a lot of different things we can do for for it and to upgrade it, to make it uh, even better than it was before. So, um, you know, another goal for the, for the off season going into next season. Honestly, my my list here is a bit ambitious because I know something's going to give. I'm not going to get all this done. <laughs> yeah, go and do the next one too. I'm ahead of you a little bit. I'm going to run out of them. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Um, next one I got is Snake Swamp, and I'm looking to get like another lease as well, and just getting in there again. Like I have to get permission from the landowner to do this kind of stuff, but I would love to build some blinds. I'd love to potentially even try to get some duck food growing in there. Um, but just, you know, we got in there, we hunted it. I'm just going to focus on the snake, snake swamp on this kind of this goal, but we got in there, we hunted it, we figured it out. We kind of figured out how the birds want to use it. We saw the marsh breathe and, and, you know, figured, figured out how to hunt it. And now it's about kind of maximizing efficiency and hiding in the brush in there. It's so thick. You don't really get a good shot. Um, maximizing efficiency so that we can, better you know kill the birds that are finishing in there because we've had birds bust us we've had birds finish but we can't get a good shot because the windows are so tight um and that's the difference between you know shooting 11 birds or shooting a three-man limit so um, i can think of one hunt in particular where if we were in a blind pushed out from the brush i think for sure we would have had a um a real shot at a three-man limit out there so kind of working on that private property and getting it to be the best it possibly can be would be a huge goal and then finding another lease and trying to do the same thing. So, um, again, probably ambitious, but it'd be awesome to be able to do that. Did you lease that place? I did not, but it's so hard to find permission that I'm willing to lease something. If I, if I have to, I shouldn't say lease, but in my mind, if I said a second lease, I have a, okay. So I don't even know if I've talked about this on the podcast. There's this super cool place that I tried to get permission for. And, he said no, and I asked if he leased in the past, and he said um, that he had, but he currently isn't. Um, and the reason he wasn't leasing it is because he had trespassers, and so the people leasing it stopped leasing it. And so um, so pretty much I, I asked him if, if he'd be interested in leasing again, and he said possibly next year come back. So that's what I'm saying, the second lease. I have this place all but pinned down um, if, you know, so we'll see. We'll see if it happens or not. You never know. Cool. Hopefully you'll get that. Oh yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I've got a shed that is dedicated to all my waterfowl equipment, and I will have it fully organized um, in spring here, where we'll pull everything out and and ha- just have it in tip top shape, where everything is exactly where I want it. 
one of my goals for next season is to continue to keep it organized throughout the year because I should take a progression picture from like day one to the end of the season because it's like I just I get from home from a hunt and I'm tired and I just start putting stuff. I don't put it back in its proper spot. So I want to keep my waterfowl gear more organized for next year. Awesome. <laughs> I run into the same issue, man. It starts out organized, but oh man. And that like it just gets to the point where I'm like digging through stuff to try to get to the next hunt. <laughs> and it'd be awesome to have a better organization system. But I think the fault is not the system, yeah. it's the person using the system. So yeah. mm, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um next one I got is work with Chief. Honestly, Chief had a really stellar year. I mean, he's he turned five this month, um, and he's really, I mean, he's in his prime. He does everything phenomenal from finding birds to retrieving to bringing them back. Like, it's just not much that he doesn't do how I like it, you know, and there's one glaring dominant issue that I have that I haven't been able to resolve, and it's mostly just because I'm too lazy to do it, uh, and it's his breaking issue. So um, I want to do something to solve that. And it really just comes down to me having to having to be consistent on that because there's times where I tie him up so he doesn't break, and there's times where I just say, screw it. You know, and what happens is you have flocks wa- working in, and you'll have them tied up, and then you grab the bird from them, get them in the kennel, and the next bird groups are working in, and you want to make sure you're shooting the birds, and so you don't have them tied up, and then he breaks. You know, so... um you know, I've had him in the past where he doesn't break, and now he's breaking, breaking like terrible. And at the end of the season, he's got even looser and worse about it, um, and it drives me nuts. But I know it's my own fault, so um, I want to do something to try to fix that. But but besides that, man, he's been such an excellent dog. I just really hope that I can, you know, find it in myself to be consistent enough to force him to not break. Um, because then, at that point, I really think that as far as what I need, he's. He's, uh, there's nothing else that I need to, to work on with him. Do you ever use the e-collar when he's breaking? <laughs> um, no, usually I just shoot at the birds. Yeah. I think you could stop him easy if you just enforced it with that e-collar. I don't think you would need to tie him up. Maybe. Yeah. His drive's got like out of control. Yeah. Will he run through a will he run through a high level though of an e collar? <laughs> um he might, huh? I don't know, maybe. Hmm. He's a good dog. He is a good dog. Uh my next one is, you know, we've got a side channel called FDH and Faith that uh, my dad puts a lot of content on. I've put some content on there, Aiden has, where it talks about um our spiritual beliefs, our belief system. And I would like to do a better job of put, putting content up over there. If you've watched my videos, sometimes you see we pray a little bit before the hunts and that type of thing. I, I really would like to cross those channels to where I am getting more people who are interested in taking a look at that FDH and faith than I did this year. You know, uh, get really, really busy. And sometimes my ideas for that just kind of fall at the wayside. And that's probably not prioritizing myself properly. So, um, if you got those of you listening, if you haven't checked out FDH and Faith um, on YouTube, you might want to check that out. And and if you're curious about uh, 
what we believe, then then go check it out. If you're not, ignore it. Awesome. Definitely a cool idea and cool project you got going on over there. Um, the last one, I think. Oh, no, this isn't the last one. So um, next one I got um, is be in tip-top shape. And I probably say that loosely because I, I won't be in tip-top shape. But I definitely think that I could be in better physical condition when it comes to duck hunting. We do all these other things where we try to maximize our efficiency while we hunt. You know, that's kind of what we talk about on the podcast strategies all the time to get more ducks. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, I've had some hunts this season, man, where I've just worn myself out. And I think about the chase in the opener um, hunt where I just marched all along that marsh. And, you know, it would have worn anybody out. But, um, you know, I exerted myself to the end of my gas tank. And, um, <laughs> you know, when I was telling Zach that I wanted us to walk all the way over there and he, and he, he made some kind of joke. And Zach is swamp, man. I don't know how often I call him Zach. But um, he's making some joke about how I'm like, I'm like, let's like walk all the way to that in the marsh. And he's like, he's like, look at us. We look like the, I can't remember, like two Pillsbury Doughboys or, you know, something like that. And it's like, (laughs) you know, and pretty much he's just saying like, we're going to do that, but we're in bad shape. So um, I think for me, getting in better shape would definitely help me along um, for for waterfowl season, you know. So that's going to be another one of my off-season goals is just to, you know, be in better condition when it comes to duck season. Yeah, I, I completely agree for myself as as well. This is as bad a shape as I've ever been in, in my life. And um, I've already set a goal. I'm setting a three-month goal starting after the snow goose weekend for three months. I'm going to work out four times a week and get a calorie counter. And it's really specifically my legs. When I turned 40, I'm 47 now. When I turned 40, my legs just were like, we're done. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> there was hunts this year where – um, I was trying to go after birds that we were kind of lost out in the marsh and my legs had just, I mean, I have lost so much leg strength in the last seven years. And if I want to be doing in 10 years or even in five years, what I'm doing now and what I've always done, I have to work out my legs specifically and get in better shape. So I'm already, I'm, I've been, I've been gearing myself up mentally cause it's all about self-discipline mm-hmm. and I've done it in the past where I've been able to get in better shape and, cut off 15, 20, 25 pounds over a period of time. And you just have to get yourself in the right mindset. So I'm, I'm gearing up right now, really trying to get myself in the right mindset and start March. I'm okay. I'm just going to be like three months as a starting point and just be like, let's, let's see what we can do. So I am with you on that one, man. Awesome. I've actually, I've actually already started it. So um, for me, oh, I've, great. I've started the the diet, not too much working out because I'm still duck hunting do something. But now that that's ended, I feel like I'm going to have to have something to kind of fill that in. You know, if I'm not paddling upstream for 40 minutes with two kayaks, then I'm going to have to supplement something <laughs> else in. So, um, but I'm already, I'm already down, not to toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm already down 17 pounds. So, um, awesome. Yeah. On, wow. on the right track. <laughs> that's um, great. That's great. So, uh, I have a question about that. I don't know how it is everyone. So what, what method are you using for losing weight uh if the just the like the most popular one everybody's probably heard of keto <laughs> so um mm-hmm. pretty much with keto you don't eat carbs um mm-hmm. or you, you only you eat 30 net carbs so that's pretty much the thing you eat 30 net carbs so you eat a lot of meat a lot of fat not pretty much no bread you know um mm-hmm. and that's it so it's a pretty good diet you feel pretty cool. good 
you know, and it helps you helps you not eat too much. That's for sure. Sweet. All right, and then oh wait, it's yours. Your turn, right? Um. Well, we each have one more left. So yeah, I'll go ahead and go. So, um, with me, this isn't this isn't quite hunting related, but seeing how you know the YouTube channel and everything is is a big part of the hunting season because I'm videoing everything. Um, I'm trying to continue to build my channel on Roku and that is more of an off season goal than it is a season goal where I'm just putting out bonus content for Roku and, and really being targeted and focused on that. You know, um, I don't know what YouTube is going to be in five years at any point in time, they could all of a sudden turn on hunting and, and, and just not be willing to do it anymore. So I'm trying to, I've got uh, freelance duck hunting is on Roku now. If you search um, duck hunting TV, you'll find it. And so I'm really trying to increase my presence on that service. And so that's something that I'm just a, a major goal I have for the season. I, it's still going to be the same content on YouTube as well. Um, but I'm also trying to build over there. <laughs> so in case, you know, YouTube's all of a sudden like no more hunting videos. I've already started that migration. Awesome. Um, I do have to I have to mention this comment because it's hilarious. Um, Sean McCollins just said seventeen pounds of beard, so um, definitely got a good, <laughs> good yeah. little chuckle of that <laughs> out of that. So the beard's gone; people can't see it on the podcast, but yeah, it's not one. gone. I have a beard; I have a normal beard now instead of my beard like all the way down. Um, yeah, I don't even know. I chopped off like ten inches of beard or something, so I feel naked. Uh, but last one I got is just enjoy the, ex- I like it like that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I'm undecided, but, um, last one I got is enjoy the experience. Enjoy the adventure out there. Sometimes we just get so caught up in content creation or, or so kind of stressed out about that kind of stuff. And I just want to like, it, at the end of the season, man, that was 0% of my worry. And sometimes it feels like the content just is better when you don't even, worry about it you know um and two it's like we're out there to have fun and have awesome adventures so you know what's it mean if you create if you if you capture it all but you can't enjoy it so i want to make sure i enjoy it and i do i mean i enjoy all the content creation part of it it's huge um you know for me and i, and I love doing all that so i don't want it to come across the wrong way but i want to make sure that i enjoy the adventure and not get stressed about anything that's going on in the hunt you know, if we're having a bad hunt and we're having a lot of fun, you know, that's all that matters. That's all that matters anytime you're out there hunting is that you're with people you enjoy hunting with, whether it's friends or family um, or or people from Nebraska, you know, but um, not not people from Nebraska, just Matt. I, I don't want to alienate everybody else. But um, so, yeah, I just want to make sure I enjoy the adventure and, and, and enjoy and enjoy all the experiences we get get to get out there and have, you know, that's what, what duck hunting is all about. Yep. Well said. All right, fellas. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, or take a, well, I'm ending this very badly with my words, but <laughs> anyways, that's all we got for today. Thanks everybody for tuning in for the end of the se- for the end of the season review and, uh, um, you know, our goals for off season, but that's all we got for today. Any final thoughts, Elliot? Nope. I just, I enjoy podcasts like this and looking back and and looking forward as well. And so I just uh, encourage everyone else to take a moment and do the same thing Jordan and I did make a list of 
things that you want to remember and things that you want to improve on because it is beneficial for you in all areas of your life. Awesome. All right, fellas, I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Ducking, and we'll see you guys on the next one.